Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Reimagining Work podcast with me, John Wenger. And me, Rogi Noord. And uh, today's theme is feedback and distortion. So um, we're just going to spend some time making lots of screechy noises with our technology, <laughs> making lots of feedback and distortion. I should have plugged in my guitar. In there you go. Uh, it comes out of a conversation around learning in the workplace, uh, getting feedback about ourselves, uh, learning about ourselves, and people that are in the role of coach or facilitator in some way. And I think, for me, my starting point sometimes with this conversation is when I hear the word feedback, I just go, my skin crawls sometimes when I hear, depending on the context is being discussed, I just really don't like feedback. Um, and I'll explain what that means, obviously. Um, years ago, a teacher of mine, um, we were in a kind of professional, professional stroke personal development context, and there was this um, word feedback that people kept kicking around, and he said, look, can we have a conversation about feedback? Feedback is what happens when you um, when, you're, when you've got a microphone next to your phone, or the, the noise a guitar makes through a speaker. It's that kind of dissonant screech. And often when you talk about giving feedback or receiving feedback, that's how it's received because it's this sort of real grating white noise that comes back with all best intentions. People think it's important to give information about how you're performing at work or what you're doing that could be different. But it's about how this is delivered. That often means when the people are receiving it, it it comes across exactly as that sort of mechanical feedback, this sort of white noise that doesn't mean anything and is just repellent. Is it, uh, is it relatable to bedside manners where you have just... I think so. Because I was just thinking about uh, uh, an orthoncologist, like a cancer doctor or any doctor for that matter who has to, to deliver bad news. I mean, that takes some skill. And if you don't have it, you can either have a... Um, very good uh, uh, feedback, or a very a very good day, or very bad day. And I'm, I'm just hearing some feedback in the back, but I think it was one of my dogs dreaming. So that was, was <laughs> um, so um, no. But it's important for for those kind of people and for many others that they have a certain. Uh, even training, I don't know if they actually have that training, but I'm, I'm sure that, that it can be very handy if they actually do have it. And um, mm. in, 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 in that sense, I think what you're talking about is that, for instance, the, the, the self or the, the evaluation uh, cycles that, that I went through and you do that with somebody in HR or a manager, mm, and mm, mm, mm. Um, they might know how to work the tool, and they might know how to interpret a graph or some data, but they can't possibly fathom the implications of, of such a tool on somebody's personality. And there should be some uh, background training or some, some sort of, a psychological development for for those kind of people that they know that these things can um, can can have a, a negative effect on somebody, mm. uh, which you cannot repair 
as a manager because you know, you're simply not equipped for that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know that there, there will be lots of, um, I suppose, diagnostic tools that you need accreditation for before you're allowed to use them. But there, there will be others um, that the depth of what gets exposed when people receive information about themselves, people can't possibly be prepared for. I mean, it's from one of my things, because I use an experiential technique called role training, one of my things is a pet hates is the dreaded role play. You know, we'll do the we'll do the seminar lecture stuff in the morning, and then in the afternoon we'll have a dreaded role play, and it's dreaded because I've been I've been in situations where somebody who may not have had much depth of training around what happens puts people in scenarios and is um, frozen when people react in a particular way that's unexpected. That kind of for me is a given. People are unexpected. There there is no kind of um, necessarily predictability about how people behave. You put them in a role play situation where they're having to pretend to do something or be something that maybe they're not, and they react in in ways which um, confound the facilitator. So there has to be some sort of depth of training. I think if you're going to use a technique like a diagnostic tool or a role play, because people will be people, and you can't really predict what will come out. What you can do is have some sort of training in how you respond to the unexpected um but but in a in, you know often some of the, some of that feedback stuff is delivered in a really clumsy sort of way um without giving much thought as to how the other person might be receiving it i think that kind of comes back to earlier conversations about the necessity to develop strong empathy for people yeah exactly yeah because th- th- there wouldn't be any um um also, in my experience, then you know you you establish something, uh, usually something that's not good, because obviously focusing on the positive is something that you don't need to do because you don't want to change that. And so you focus on the negative. And um, but just uh, acknowledging it or just uh, being aware of the negative is one thing. Uh, a problem with the um, uh, with diagnostics like that is uh, there's no follow up. I mean, there's no uh, if at best it gets written down, and at best in six months' time it gets uh, acknowledged that it was written down, and then you reach the point where they'll say, "Well, have you done anything about that?" And you go like, "How am I supposed to do that?" I mean, if I could change my character like that, and just because you ask, then I would be able to do anything, literally, because then I could change anything at my of myself at any time just by thinking about it. And it doesn't work that way. Some things need a lot of work, and some things, some behaviors are pretty deep. And, um, and, yeah. and you know, from your childhood or you know, a long time ago and, and very, very well embedded. And you don't just... And managers don't don't know how to do that, right? I mean, they cannot um, uh, anticipate the, the gravity of uh, some elements in your character. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and expose them and then do nothing with them. I mean, that's, that's, that, that would be not good. I think I, I, I remember a conversation that we had many years ago and um, it was with 
it was with um, an HR person, and we were talking about the general state of the business. And she said, "Oh, we've just done this 360 at the um, senior team. The CEO and the rest of the senior team have done 360s." And we went, "Oh, right, okay." Um, for me, that sort of signifies that that's the starting point of something else. You do something with it. And so we said, "Oh, what was the result?" And she said, "Well, they they all just felt destroyed on a personal level by the information they got back. So they they asked me to bury the information and that we would never do a 360 again." Mm. which one doesn't surprise me that if somebody felt like that too it says something to me about the way that the information was presented because it's not easy to receive information about ourselves sometimes whether it's good or bad so we need somebody who's skilled at delivering it but also that kind of um we don't like we don't like what it's uncovered um let's hide this away in a locked filing cabinet and never speak of it again is sad because what other opportunities for for growth or development, had they may have shut off because of the fear and the negative experience that they've had about this. It is valuable information, right? I totally. Mean, uh, especially when you do it right and, and when you have a proper survey, something that really gets to the point and, and is well interpreted, then yeah. the information that comes out of it, whether it's negative or positive, is extremely valuable. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. But there has to be a plan in place. Um, uh, I mean, going back to to a doctor, for instance, um, especially when when it's cancer related or something like that, uh, he wouldn't just call you into his office and say, "Well, Mr. Wenger, sorry, you have cancer." Ah, it's l- l- lunch, you know, they don't do that. They go like, "You have cancer. This is the kind of cancer you have." And uh, this is the treatment. These are your odds. Sometimes they're pretty good. You know, sometimes there's a fair chance. Sometimes there isn't. Uh, but we have a process or we have, uh, in some cases, even a cure or at least a treatment. And that's what you want uh, when you get feedback like that. Um, uh, yes, give me feedback. And then you go, ah, Rogier. We went over this and this and this and that isn't as you might want it to have in the position that you're holding right now or maybe it is something in general that you want to improve on. Uh, Obviously, first we mentioned the positive thing, so there's something to feel good about. And then you can go to the not necessarily bad things, but things that might need a little bit of work uh, and... And then you can bring them up, and then you go like, and this and this and this is what we can do about it. You know, we yeah, have a program, absolutely. we absolutely. have a goal, we have something that you can can actually improve uh, on it, and that would be very helpful. It's a it's a mirror to the, the situation described with a doctor breaking the news about cancer. You don't do that without having without knowing what resources are in place around. Exactly. As a follow-on. So yes, there is the bad news to impart about a cancer diagnosis, perhaps, or there's the the difficult information that you're going to present someone with as a result of some sort of diagnostic. But I think it's important, one, I think, in the workplace, that professional development, the line between professional development and personal development has become very blurred. Mm -hmm. So to say that you're going to uh, offer a kind of a, uh, a tool or provide some feedback to someone um, 
without their consent, I think that I I think is problematic because there's there's less information I think that you could impart to someone about their workplace behavior that's not about the person themselves. So you're basically making comment on the person. And I think that's the sort of thing, just thinking about myself, I, I would like to be invited into that conversation. So would you be interested to know this stuff about you? Yes. How about we do this diagnostic survey? Yeah, volunteer. Or whatever. So there's, there's, there's got to be an element of agency. Otherwise, it's something that's being done to me. And I, I don't go along with that. Oh, um, and, and many, with you, many, many others. I mean, as soon as you, you make something mandatory, then it becomes... Um, onerous. What? Many, onerous. Onerous? Onerous. Repellent. Oh yeah, sure. People will reject. I think if you make yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's a, it's a, but it's a natural defense. I mean, it's a default uh, attitude that people will have against something that's very mandatory. I mean, how, how can you be completely neutral? And if if somebody doesn't want to hear it, then he might, for instance, or for starters, not be honest during the survey because there's nothing to gain. To be honest. So it might as well, you know, I can play the game, I can play the survey, I can give answers that I know are going to be, you know, towards something else than I, I'd actually be. And I think that is pretty default behavior of people if you force them into anything. And especially with these things, because obviously, because I was thinking earlier that you have different uh, degrees of... Uh, uh, survey right i mean there are um well even a 360 can be very uh, confronting obviously because somebody's going to say something about you that you didn't know probably but um also experienced <laughs> um and uh um but and then there's all the way up to role reversal if you don't do it properly and if you don't have a proper follow-up then it can do a lot of damage in in a in a in a person or in in a professional relationship, and um, so there are many degrees in in how far because you can have a survey in a, in a casual conversation. You can ask certain questions as a manager to get a feel of you know. You can ask an employee if did you happy. You know that's a survey. That gives you information with which you can do something. Absolutely. The danger with, with people in managerial positions asking that questions, I, I sometimes think it's useful for the for the manager or the person asking what's behind the question. So if you're asking, are you happy in your work? Are you looking as a manager for recognition or acknowledgement or a pat on the back? Are you doing a good job as a manager? Because what happens if the person says, well, frankly, no, there's some areas that I'm not happy with. You then are in the position of going, well, I reject you and your opinions, or, oh, now I have to do something about it. So don't, don't ask the question unless you really, really want to hear the answer. Um, I, I think also there's a question both on the side of the asking for the feedback and the giving of the feedback, I mean, to use the word that I detest, <laughs> uh, dare I say, in the world of, of work, that there needs to be love and, and positive regard for each other. Because I don't know, I don't know that you you're doing a disservice by telling something to someone that they may not see about themselves. I mean, we all have a blind spot. That the clue is in the term. We all have blind spots. So there has to be some sort of positive regard. If I'm going to tell you something about yourself, 
that you don't see about yourself. I have to love you and have regard for you, I think, as a human being. Otherwise, it's a weapon. Likewise, if I ask you the question, hey, tell me some stuff that you think would help me improve in my work, I have to have love and trust for you that you're going to be doing this for my benefit and that it will be you know, for the benefit of the whole. Um, otherwise, again, it's used as a weapon. Yeah, take, taking that into consideration, a question like, uh, are you happy? Uh, depending on the relationship can be interpreted in many ways. I mean, if you have, I think, in my opinion, a little bit of a default where there's a command and, and, and structure and, and uh, command and control structure and a manager is, is, is conceived as somebody who's not really competent and blah, 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 blah. You know, the, the standard, I don't like my job thing. And your manager would ask, well, are you happy in your work? Then my first reaction would be, why? Am I doing something wrong? You know, uh, what do you want to know, right? In, instead of answering it honestly and and uh, openly, you you'd get defensive, and because you know, obviously there's something going on. Obviously, I need to protect myself, and obviously, you you do not have the best interest of me uh, at heart, and so I'm I'm gonna defend myself. So I'm not gonna answer that. I'm pleading the fifth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which so. you know, I I I think probably happens more often than not. People plead the fifth. I think the people um, think I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna upset things here. I'm gonna say something which is not too controversial, by and large. Of course, you know the the same. I mean, I think there's there's the same if you ask that of an individual, but also if you ask an organization, you know, use those so-called engagement surveys. Um. You, you kind of get this uncomfortable information back that a lot, a lot of people aren't engaged. Well, so what are you going to do about it? So the same thing goes for a person. If you're going to ask this, you, you know, do a survey or do a diagnostic, there needs to be something in place to follow up with it. What's the point of doing it? But if you're going to ask, if you're going to do like an engagement survey or organization-wide, you have to think this is leading to something. It's not just for the sake of doing it. Because on a bigger picture, managers do the same thing. We don't like those results. Let's bury them. Let's never mm. ask. Let's never ask the question again, mm. because I have to report on it. I mean, if 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 there's especially when there's like an official program running down the company or trickling down, then you have to give feedback to your superiors. And if at some point it turns out that uh, your own performance, for instance, isn't very positive, you know, if you if if if, if the question is asked by your managers, like, are you happy in your in your job? And you go like. Is this something that goes on the record and goes upstairs? Yes, it is. Well, I'm not happy with you, you know. Um, yes, that's right. And then it gets buried because, you know, as a manager, I don't want that information going up. So I'm not going to do that. One of the most entertaining and concise blog posts that I've read for, for a while, is this some months ago, it was a short blog post as well. And the, it was... The title was was it was it the most useful question you could be asked in a performance review, ah. and there was this was the entire blog post, and it said, "What's getting in the way of you doing good work?" Yeah, exactly. That was it. Now, imagine if performance conversations, which are a part of you know, a yeah. form of this sort of whole feedback yeah. um, thing that we're talking about, if the question was asked of the person and invited, it was an open question, so it invited anything that they wanted to say. What gets in the way of you doing mm -hmm. good work? Mm -hmm. Can can you imagine the, the 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 company or the company environment, the company culture that that would 
ex need to exist in order to be able to a ask the question and b answer the question in an open and honest way yeah fascinating i mean it would be probably a pretty good place to work at because yeah. you would feel that you had some input into how things happened and how work happened for people and so on and that you were yeah. able to make decisions on, beha on behalf of customers those sorts of things mm. um mm. but yeah i think by and large you know um those sorts of questions we don't we don't get asked them and they don't get asked people are scared of the answer because yeah. also there's that thing i think for most people oh well i've heard the answer do i have to now do something about that or if i don't do something about that my credibility goes down mm -hmm. Um, or it sometimes is sort of shoved aside of, well, that's great, we've, we've done the survey, or we've done the diagnostic, or we've asked the questions, or we've had the performance reviews. Now let's just sit and wait and see what changes over the next year, almost as if it's like, well, we've talked about it, so that's enough. Just talking about it's enough to create some change. Which, obviously, far from it. Yeah. There is a beginning piece, I think, right at the beginning sometimes. There's a uh, an expression I sometimes use: a thing observed is a thing changed. So, in some cases, when you discover something about yourself that you know a blind spot, you go, "Wow, I didn't know." In some cases, it might be that you decide, "I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to change how I relate to people, or I organize myself, or something like that." But it's not to say that's always the case. Not always the case that a thing observed is a thing changed. If only it were that easy. If only. If only it were that easy. No, no, no. And, and especially with people, I mean, especially with people who are uh, in a company which is looking to change, uh, because that's, you know, when you talk about the future of work, um, there's, there's two ways of getting there. If you have a new company and you build it up in a certain fashion, or you have an existing company that you want to change into uh, a more uh, social environment, if you mm, will. Mm-mm. Um, then it takes um, a lot of work. I mean, installing a, a, an enterprise social network and having somebody uh, do a status update or share uh, a document is not what you... Um, um, it's only a very small part of a social business. So a social platform is not a given uh, path to uh, um, uh, a social business. There's a lot more to it. Uh, and uh, changing an environment within a company is not just the CEO saying, uh, look, people, we're changing the environment now to a more open and trustworthy environment. I'm going to start by saying something. I'm going I'm to share a secret with you just to get things going. Yeah, for instance. And um, now it's going to need the behavior of everybody within the company to adapt to that new environment and managers especially middle management has a very important role to play in that i think and um uh, i mean yeah you don't change companies you change people uh right well i, I to extend that i think people change uh, that this it comes back to the thing i was making the point i was making earlier about somebody saying we're going to do this 360 on you and then we're going to put you through this coaching program well where where's my Where's my consent? Where's my agency? This is, I think there's a, there's a related thing there. So it's not about changing people, but people change. There's something that needs to go on with the inspirers, with the influencers about the vision and the benefits and the, the building the 
the case for people to enlist themselves, not to change. I'm not going to change you, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to craft this vision, and I'm going to see if I can get people to craft it with me, and see if we can get as much involvement and engagement with this this thing as possible. I mean, it sounds lovely and utopian, but I think that is part of the 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 role of. Uh, Anybody, well, anybody it, who's 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 uh, an influencer in an organization yeah. to to have it's, that it's why you picture. need why the uh, I think in part why the the term evangelist uh, has has risen to the service other than in a in a very religious format is it is truly that I mean you need to then the need if you want to have a change that big you need people to realize that the change is happening that there are certain benefits to it for everybody not just the company but also especially as an individual there's benefits and um, then you have to convince that person that they want to uh, participate in that change mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i'm not saying that that person need that person needs to change but he or she wants to um participate in the change so they want to um be part of it be able to to make that change and if it turns out that something within their character is holding them back uh, then there needs to be something in place that can help them adapt to that because these changes i mean changing a, a business into a social business it's fundamental and there is definitely some people that are going to be very um, conflicted about it. Obviously, there's going to be like early adopters. They're going to jump in no matter what. And then you have those that are going to play ball uh, regardless because somebody else is doing it. So, yeah, fine. But there's also going to be people that are uh, not going to do anything. Um, and then there are going to be people who are, are going to be struggling that want to be part of it but have difficulty um, opening up for instance or uh, being able to take a certain level of criticism when you put a status update um, on, on the social network within a company uh, these people need to be guided to a certain level of engagement and a certain level of openness and um, with some it's going to be very difficult, but they would want to participate, so they would ask for the help, and then it should be given. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what you you've um, talked before about the need. Well, what, one of the characteristics of a social business is transparency. So when information is available for people, I think it allows those ones who may be a little bit reluctant to find out more. You know, what's in this for me? Why would I want to buy into this this change in the way we do things? So I think transparency. Is also the it's the it's the it's the means as well as the end. If you see what I mean, so I th I think there is a there is a role for um, uh, conversations that that allow people to enlist themselves into it. So I, certainly you'll have people reluctant to change if if you're going to be revolutionising how they do their work and how they relate to each other. Certainly, um, you know I think the two. Two key drivers. I remember learning years ago uh, when I was working as as a therapist. You know, we are driven towards pleasure and away from pain. And change is generally, for most people's experience, not pleasurable. 
and no. is painful. So we will avoid those those things that seem onerous to us because it's not pleasurable and it is painful. So there is a role for information and transparency in the way of getting there too. Um, and with as least the little as least distortion as possible because I think if people don't get the chance to make up their own minds about this, if they can't to use a very hackneyed phrase, buy into or get on board, <laughs> opt, opt in, opt in. Uh, they ain't going to do it. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I speak for myself as well. I am not averse to learning and changing and developing, but when it feels like it's being imposed or there's it's smoke and mirrors and there's things that I'm not being included in, there's information that I'm not being shared with, that's not being shared with me, I, I will be a little bit hesitant. I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many initiatives fail, because that's exactly how it happens. I mean, I'm just working and I get an email and there's something, this is this is, this is how we're going to do it as of Monday. And I'm like, well, go fish. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm perfectly happy the way things are working now. I'm not going to change anything. Why, why would I? And, yeah. So this is the whole thing, you know, we, we want to change how we work. We want to... Um, there's going to require new behaviors of all of us. So then sometimes that's where these sort of measures come into place. They do 360s or they do some diagnostic or they do an engagement survey. And, and they, try and get, they try and put their finger on the pulse of what's going on. But I think that they've missed a piece of, you know, have we got people with us in order to do these things? So we've taken a pulse. We've measured the organization. These are the new behaviors that we're all going to have to learn. These are the new values. Really? Based, mm -hmm. on, based on what? And then they then they get lots of feedback because we're doing it in a social way now. There's an initiative to do it social, and they start to get feedback. They get feedback, and it is yeah. exactly that. Ah, that screeching noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then they and then untrained people are gonna try and interpret everything, and then you get mm. distorted information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and wrong perceptives, and and I don't know a lot of really change of weird. Uh, uh, viewpoints of how things need to be and you know just read a book and then you know everything I mean it just doesn't work that way I mean you need to read a lot of books and talk to a lot of people in order to get a certain grasp of, of a certain um, uh, change um, and I'm talking about myself now I mean there's not really a study you can follow in order to become a social business uh, expert um, I think uh, uh, as a psychologist, yes, there is a study that you need to do in order to understand what it is that you're talking about. And, um, and then there are certain training in order to be able to interpret um, these feedback forms. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But it's, it's not just the interpretation, but also the communication of these things. Like we were getting back to the doctor again, you know, who has to, to, to deliver bad news. I mean, there's a lot of things that come um, with with uh, trying and to to change somebody for the better, and you don't just do it. You don't send an HR employee on a seminar for a day and then give him one of the more powerful tools in order to to, to get in somebody's head and expect everything to work out. It just simply doesn't work that way. In my experience, it has never worked that way, and I've done a few, mm. and it just doesn't. There's only if if anything happens, it's only in enhancing the gap between um, a manager and the employee or the HR and the employee. It makes it more 
um, numerical. Yeah, it makes it makes it more uh, static. It you know, well, it, it, it comes, doesn't create it, any. It, re it reinforces that picture of uh, people being resources. Yeah, exactly. And they're not. Yeah. We all know yeah. that. Work is not a transaction yeah. and people are not resources. Yeah, exactly. Can I throw in another thing in part of this of this whole thing? This whole thing about learn and change and feedback and information. Another one of the things that makes my skin crawl is the word resistance. Because I don't believe that people are resistant. And it's a bit controversial. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, we talk about changing or you get feedback or you do a diagnostic or a survey or a 360 or blah, blah, blah. It comes back to the reason I thought about this is I was thinking about your cancer oncologist uh, analogy, that it's about the bedside manner. So how information is delivered to people, whether that information is about a new way of doing things or new processes or if the, or the information is about the people and how they are at work. It's how it's delivered. And I think that clumsy delivery sometimes is the thing that gets people's backs up, that it feels like you have now taken a step back and you've got to do a lot of recovery to get people on board. Okay. I think it, there's, a, there's an art, I think, to communicating this stuff, which goes beyond seeing people as resources and work as a transaction. Like, What is the way that we can communicate information, any information, about myself, about the workplace, about changes, about the environment, about the vision? What is the way that we can communicate that, which will most warm people up into seeing the benefits or seeing the positive or seeing the, the, the growth or the, the why we would go along with some new information. And, you know, I think that's a $64,000 question. Really. It's not like there's a manual that says this is the way you say it and this is the way you don't say it. Um, I think that that's like the big thing in... in um in social business at the moment I mean you can have there now they, they calculate ROI and they have a long list of potential benefits and a long list of reasons and you can uh, with the right uh, graphs or the right slides you can convince a CEO or the board on some level yeah yeah you can it, it's I mean, it's business. If you take the business aspect of social business, then it's not impossible to convince a company to at least look into it. And then you can do a survey and then you, you know, uh, or an um, analysis of the business and, and go like, well, you know, these, that, 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 that. that's where you can improve and, and this and that and, and such and such. And that's not the, the, the hard part. But at some point, you're going to have to deal with people. Yes. And then communication is going to be key into how you are going to deal with these people and how are you going to get them to change and how are you going to get them to participate and how are you going to get them to do that survey in order to improve the way that they are working or whatever. And, um, and if we, like, if that, that's, that's that, Last bit, improve the way we're working. So the picture we're reimagining is workers is more social. So the way we're working, I think that's where the challenge is because the way we're working is about how I am as a human being. Yeah. The way we're working in, the, in, in a reimagined workplace is more empathetic towards mm -hmm. others, is mm -hmm. a better active listener towards others, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. is one who's able more to accept uh, diverse types of human beings in my workplace, whether I like them or not. How do I accept people who are different from me? Mm -hmm. That's where the challenge is because it's not just the new way of working is using these social platforms and that, that, but it's how I'm going to relate. And that's, I think, the scary thing for people is, is this is... The what's in it for me is also the what's the cost to me. You mean I have to be a different person? Of course, because there's no such thing as a free lunch. And, and especially in, in the current uh, uh, um, society that we live in, uh, uh, when you ask something of somebody, then they're going to want something in return. And they're going to probably wonder indeed, uh, what's, what's it going to cost me? Um, why? Why? Uh, you know, because I kind of have to say that resistance is something that uh, in, in, in many current cultural environments is almost a default yeah. uh, attitude. And it's really, really sad, but I think that is something that, that, that's bred into it over a long period of time where people go, not necessarily resist, but uh. distrust Yes, 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 yes. In in um, in what it is that that they want, and uh, and th let's face it, they've got every reason, right, yeah. to distrust well, uh, yeah. because it hasn't been good, and they have been uh, effed over many times, and uh, they haven't gotten that raise, and they haven't gotten that promotion, and. And uh, you know the cultural environment within the company isn't really something that you 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 hoo ha about, and um, so and now all of a sudden they come up with this new scheme uh, in order to control us even better because now we have to share everything in an open environment. So there's there's no hiding anywhere anymore now. It's know. it's it's very symptomatic of our times, really, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. tr trust in many of our institutions and our authority figures and our leaders is just at at such a low generally yeah. so yeah. It, it doesn't surprise me that that's the same in, in our workplaces as well um, it carries through it carries through uh, yeah, both I, ways I, was, I mean it was a, a read something that a friend of mine put as a comment in one of my articles um, is genuine learning imply, and I would say change genuine learning implies birthing new consciousness I can entirely go along with that looking and really seeing and therein lies a problem, as raw conscious awareness can be painful. And I think that's what I was saying about there's no such thing as resistance. We do avoid pain and we want to move towards pleasure. And new information about how we are at work and what we may have to do differently can be a little raw for us. I think it's about the bedside manner. It's how that stuff is presented. Where, where does it fit? And then, you know, trust in a relationship between people delivering the information has to be, you know, I said love in regard earlier, I think that's it's implicit. It has to be there. Otherwise, people will reject that stuff as just foreign and alien, and I, I want nothing to do with what you're telling me. It's it's. I think it's pretty classical. I mean, if you take any environment or any society where behavior is forced, um, in the end, it always falls down. Yeah. It never holds up. Yeah. Uh, Ewan talks about this, doesn't he? He talks about initiatives fail. I agree. Initiatives, social initiatives fail because they're initiatives. Somebody else imposing. It falls mm. down. They just mm. fall down. Yeah. 
like I said, you get an email where it says that you have to behave in a certain way, and 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 then we're gonna everything's gonna be better. And yeah, no, it's not. But if you have a manager, or I prefer if if you have a leader, preferably mm. somebody who's a little bit charismatic, mm-hmm. and and employees trust and. Uh, you know, a good solid relationship on which you can actually build something, uh, then it's, I think, relatively easy mm-hmm. in order to adapt something new uh, because the environment is there. And, uh, but yeah, if you have managers that ridicule their employees on, a, uh, on every other day, every opportunity they get, and uh, has no sense of humor and, uh, it's just somebody old school that mm. that that really dislikes any change or any influence from anybody. Then yeah, all right. You know, if you're gonna do my evaluation, I'm not gonna bare my soul to you and yeah. and, and do some sort of uh, survey where I I expose myself to you. I don't know what you're gonna do with that information. Probably something bad. Quite likely, you're gonna use it against me. So I'm not going to do that. I am going to resist. <laughs> and, and there, and there, you know, therein we enter the whole realm of empowerment, which could be the topic of another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is probably a thing that um, both of us have lots to say about. Mm. Yeah. Yes, we have. But for episode but, ten, I think yeah. we have. Um, we have. It's a milestone uh, episode, isn't it? It is a milestone episode. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation and um, I look forward to the next one. Yes. So from me, John Wenger. And me, Rocky Nord. That's a farewell until next time. Yes. And if you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher. You can find us on the blog. You can go to rwcast.com. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye.